Hi, Chris. How are you? It's Barvod in the shed on this dark night. What are we today? It's Monday, the 26th of September. It is. It's getting close to Christmas. <laughs> this will be our last one in September. Wow. Yeah, October. I've got conferences and things coming up at work fairly soon, so we'll have to watch your schedule, I think. Yeah, I've just had three weeks where I've had nights away, which is a whole new foreign concept to me. I quite enjoyed it, actually. It was nice actually having a bit of normality. I'm not sure my kids enjoyed it. Ah, uh, well, and it's it's just one of those things. Thankfully, it's it's strange how much they don't remember. You know, I, I remember taking mine to New York. We went over in Cape Cod. We did all sorts of things. The eldest was eight or nine at that point. The youngest, they remember almost none of it. It is, yeah, no, it is mental. And yet they can remember some seemingly mundane and random facts about their younger years. It is quite interesting. It is bizarre. Anyway, it's probably got quite a quick show to get through tonight. So should we dive straight in and do some follow-up? Yeah, why not? I think our first piece is something you put in the document of we're not sponsored by Audible, just to re- reiterate that, because I think I was gushing perhaps a little bit too much last week. And I do like the Audible app, but it's fair to say I do have one criticism. When you change the speed of how you listen to the book and you choose it manually, it doesn't seem to have a smart speed sort of technology. And I had mine set to 1.3. So I get my car and I just wanted to tweak the speed. It doesn't have 1.3 as a speed setting. It has 1.2 or 1.4. And then when you go on your Apple Watch, it had different settings again. So weirdly, it looked like they changed the speed settings on one of their apps, but hadn't replicated on the watch or the car, you know, in CarPlay mode. And actually, in the latest release notes for Audible, they go, we've now corrected the CarPlay app so that it reflects the iPhone app. So there you go. There's some less praise. Because I couldn't understand how you'd write these apps. You wouldn't just have, here's our list of speeds, and that's it, and why you'd have different ones per device. Yeah, I did read a thing about one of the developers of the Audible app. And again, just to reiterate, we're not sponsored by Audible. We're not sponsored by anybody. If anybody wishes to sponsor us, please get in touch and we'll, uh, we'll have a word with you. But yeah, where they were in the process of rewriting the app to use Swift UI rather than, you know, like it. So they're obviously quite responsive and the developer himself had responded to something somebody put on Twitter. So I, it's interesting. They're obviously watching and they're trying to push it forward. So yeah, well done Audible from that point of view, but there's a little more criticism that still needs sorting out. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's just nice to see it actively develop and move on. It's yep. not, not staying still and it, it's getting better all the time and your subscription for me hasn't changed. So very happy with that. That's good stuff. Brilliant. Okay, you have a new toy. I do. So my Apple Watch Ultra did come on Friday as promised by Apple. Came bang on time. Yeah, love it. I put it on my wrist. I was 50-50. Am I going to keep it? Am I not? I was like, it's going to be too big. So I put it on my wrist next to my Series 6. And I wanted a bigger watch anyway. I was going to get the Series 7 because it's slightly bigger. Or the Series 8 now. And I loved it. I, I was concerned it might be feel too chunky, too tall, too big. But that's perfect. The screen is gorgeous on it the flat screen is like a revelation much better than the domed i don't know what you call it where it's slightly domed at the sides i think the flat screen is much better they should have gone with this all along it's fantastic the screen's so bright the action button awesome i've got it set to be a torch which i use quite a lot i often use it on my, on my phone like if i go up to bed late at night and i want to find a light switch and not wake up the whole family so i think it's fantastic i think the engineering the design wonderful it's nowhere near as heavy as it looks i guess it's down to the titanium I've not had a titanium watch before, but I wanted, I was oogling the uh, Series 7 titanium. So dead chuffed with the aesthetic. I like orange, orange is the color I'd go for anyway. And the the band, so I've got the Alpine band, I think it's called, with the little G like clip on, on it. It's really good, fits really well. I measured it 
just before I ordered. I'm a medium. I think the whole thing's fantastic. And I, I've actually been wearing it with some of my older bands. And I'll be in the office this week and I'll put my leather one on. And it actually looks pretty good. The old bands, considering it's a much bigger body, the older bands fit on it really, really well. So for me, big thumbs up if you want a chunky watch. Um, I don't think I've got very big wrists, but actually I think it works all right. And what I was saying to you just before the show, a friend of mine tried it on for about 10 seconds and he's a, he's a watch nerd. He's got a Rolex and he's got various other watches and he instantly was like done, sold. I went and ordered one straight after, you know, so it's good. I've taken it paddleboarding, so I've done my extreme adventuring with it. I've been on a walk around my village where I live. So I think it's great. The battery life is a triumph in it. The screen, yeah, stunning. The whole thing. I like the watch faces. It would be nice to have some more watch faces, you know, that take advantage of the bigger screen. But I like the way they've 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 piled loads in, and I think they said it's their most. Did they say most engineered watch face where you could have the most complications on it? So uh, yeah, I'm sold. Dead happy with my purchase. One happy camper. I even got wife sign off on it after it arrived and got the okay. So yeah, I think it was good. So big, big thumbs up for me. I'm not going to go hiking and go in the snow in it, I'm sure. But, you, you know, I'm not, I've not bought it for that. I bought it because I wanted a cool new watch. It's interesting. I mean, watches are quite a lot, as much about fashion as they are anything else. And for a while, big-faced watches were very much in fashion. I had a couple from TW Steel who make very, very big watch faces, mostly because they sponsored MotoGP, and I thought I quite like the look of that. But then I didn't get the MotoGP edition watch. I just got one I like the look of. And it would dwarf my wrist almost at that and there has been a, a fashion trend for them to move back towards slightly skinnier face watches which i'm sure apple may have been part of actually so it, it's good that you like it you know it's it's not an insane amount of money for what is quite a big chunky sports watch you know when we've talked about that before i think that's all right so i'm glad you're happy with it i'd note as i've been doing my my reading and, and watching uh, what's been happening this week in, in the space since people have had them there was one youtube video of the people who like to smash these things up as soon as they get them i don't know if you saw that was that the one with the hammer? It was the one with the hammer, yeah, where it actually when he starts hammering the watch with the hammer, it actually breaks the desk first, which is quite impressive, actually. That It doesn't break the watch. It, it eventually breaks the watch face, but it makes a crack in the desk before it makes a crack in the watch. He then subsequently said that the watch wouldn't work after he'd smashed it pretty hard with a hammer. But all the same, there's not many consumer devices you could sort of subject to a lump hammer and it not show some sort of impact so i think well done apple they've obviously built a bit of quality and, and hard wearing into the device itself so good good purchase i think so and it's got a little lip just around the screen because with with my other watches i've occasionally catch like on a door frame or something and you worry don't you oh no i've just nicked it and i'm guessing they've done that just to avoid those little sort of scuffs where it is a very flat front on it but no it's been fantastic i haven't really noticed I've got much bigger watch on my wrist. So yeah, definitely recommend a transfer to it. Piece of cake compared to the iPhone. Just went through. The only bit that was more painful was moving the eSIM. I don't really understand why, but basically I had to phone up EE, who I use in the UK, to go, I've got a new watch and I just want to move this in from my old one to my new one. In hindsight, because I was out of contract, I should just cancel my old one and set up a new one because it's not like you need the, to keep the phone number. But anyway, they managed to move it, but I was chatting to the engineer a little bit. It was quite interesting. The ESIM engineer, he was quite quite an interesting guy to chat to because he was like, I had no idea that the new iPhones would support eight eight different eSIMs. He just didn't know anything about that because I was chatting to him and he, he didn't think that Europe would be ready for eSIMs anytime soon as the only go-to, which I thought was quite interesting from somebody from, you know, a major carrier in the UK that has been supporting them for years. But yeah, he didn't know it, it, you could do eight eSIMs in the iPhone 14 models and he was 
very doubtful that we'd go for eSIM next year. Whereas I think we will go eSIM next year because I think this is Apple telling the world, get on with it. Yeah, we might. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll be doing full eSIM next year. America, you know, there's a little note in our show notes about how even the American version of the phone still has a spacer in the back of it where their physical SIM tray could go. And it's like a block of Lego, apparently, a two-by-two two block of Lego space inside of the phone, which is fair enough. You don't want to make multiple different versions of the SKU. I suspect EE haven't been able to do this because they're spending all that money on Kevin Bacon and their advertising. I'm sure he's not cheap. So maybe they're not keeping their engineers trained up on on transfers for watches. Potentially, but I, I get why they've done a block of Lego in it this year as a space because you want to make two two devices per se but you can see they're going to reclaim that space next time they do a big industrial redesign i guess at most next year would maybe look the same body as we've got this year and then the year after they can go right e-sims we're done with physical sims we're done with i I do worry slightly it's a bit USB-C here where apple are sort of trying to push something up a hill that others particularly the asian markets who like to have lots of physical sim cards you know, I think they're going to have a bit, face a bit of a struggle in territories outside the UK. And if, if you know, the UK is not there yet, we've talked re- repeatedly about GIFGAF, Voxy, Smart, Smarty, all those other MVNOs, Tesco, that won't offer eSIMs. And there's a chance they might. So maybe the UK will be a bit further down the path next year. But I very much doubt, you know, the rest of Europe. When you think how fragmented Europe can be around these things, go, the difference between, you know, an eSIM in Poland or Spain or something like that. I suspect it's a, they've got a bit of a, a road to go yet. Maybe. Maybe this is the long game and they're slowly going to be, maybe they chip away at markets once they've got all the main carriers over in, say, the UK or in France or wherever it may be. And then they, you know, they start pushing the US phone into more markets. But they've got to, surely at some point they're going to want that space back. You'd have thought so, but then if the Android makers aren't pushing in the same way, we'll see. I guess, you know, we, we can close off this section because we're still in follow-up and we're, we're, we're 10 minutes into the show. To note that the Apple Watch still, in keeping with lots of Apple software recently, has a few things still to come later for your watch. The race route, which is like Ghost Car in Gran Turismo or something like that, where you could race against yourself. That's something they advertise during the show and that's not available yet. The Oceanic Diving app isn't available yet. The low power settings, which is for all the watches, not just the Ultra, isn't available yet. And international roaming, if you're a US customer with this, uh, also isn't available yet. So there's a few things still to be done uh, on the Apple Watch Ultra in software to be released. I don't mind them doing this. I don't mind them pushing things down for point releases. It's just to be aware you're not getting it on day one. I don't mind them doing it, but equally, I wonder, do they push these things out a bit quick? My iPhone's had two updates since it's come out. My watch has had an update. I've been on my watch three days. So I do wonder whether sometimes they're too aggressive because... It's not a great experience if you just bought a device and you've got a, you know, oh, you need to install a software update. So I do wonder whether sometimes that bites them, but I don't know what they could do differently if they want to keep things a secret and have a short, you know, short time between when they demo it and when you can buy it, which I kind of get why they want to do that because the longer they do that gest- gestation period between we've shown it to you and, and we're going to ship it in three months, the more likely the competitor is going to catch up quicker. Mm. Yeah, fair points. Anyway, it is what it is. Moving on, I've ordered some things, and actually, since I wrote the show notes, I've had one of these things as well. So, I, I think your discussion about buying a bunch of stuff obviously impacted me in some way. So, I went and I bought AirPods Pro 2. 249 pounds. Thank you. Good choice. 249 pounds from your local Apple seller. I ordered them on a Saturday. It said it wouldn't be shipped till the 5th of October. Today is Monday the 26th, as we've already said, and they've arrived. Unsurprisingly, they've arrived. I ordered them engraved. So, you know, they've got my my initials on the front. And one little whimsical thing, we were talking about whimsy last week that I really quite liked, is that when you pair them to the device, 
your engraving shows up in the app. And that, uh, how do you do that? I genuinely don't know how you do that. How do you get them engraved so quickly when somebody orders them on a Saturday that they're actually with you on the Monday, still in a nice sealed box, and they recognize the engraving when you pair them in the app? Is it the serial number? How does that work? The whole thing's quite mind-boggling, isn't it? In that you've ordered it on a Saturday night, it's come on the Monday, but in, in that time, they've also engraved them. And I guess there's a chip inside that tells it what's been engraved. There must be quite a lot of electronics inside the case to then tell the OS what you've had engraved. Maybe they're doing this so that when people order iPhones, you could get them engraved or something. And maybe, maybe that's like the next evolution of this. And they're, they're just warming up on a nice, easy consumable device first it's impressive anyway my daughter has airpods 3 and they are engraved and it hers didn't do this when she paired them in the app so it's obviously a fairly recent evolution for the airpods pro 2 i will give a more comprehensive review and feedback next week because i've only had them a couple of hours and not been on a dog walk or anything to sort of test them out the noise cancellation seems at least as good as was before I've got a story about that with AirPods Max later. The transparency mode is amazing. You know, when somebody's speaking, it amplifies that, uh, the voices around you, which works really well. And the volume controls, which are on the stocks of the AirPods Pro, aren't where I expected them to be. I actually had to go and Google how to turn the volume up and down. I was expecting them to be on the outside of the stocks, which is where your hands sort of tend to go to, but they're actually on the inside, so facing towards your face, really. And, and it works on either AirPod, up or down, and it, sets, it does them in increments as you go. So it does work, it works perfectly well. But it, like I say, it wasn't immediately intuitive to me as to where I was doing it. Yeah, I'd like to see that, actually. I, I was going to get my AirPods out to have a look, but I don't want them to interrupt our recordings. I'm leaving them firmly in my pocket because my AirPods are with me all the time. I'm very much in the market. I think my AirPods know there's a new model out because I've seen more battery warnings lately, but I'm hoping they last till Christmas. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it looks, the cases differentiate themselves as being AirPods Pro 2 because they've got the slot for the lanyard on the side. It does feel a little bit better made. You know, the lid, the lid isn't quite as... Uh, I'm the same as you. I don't want to open them up and have it. But you get that rattle, like the tic-tac lid. You can sort of move it back and forth in the pin. And that's pretty much gone in the AirPod Pro 2 case. And you've got a speaker on the bottom for being able to do Find My on it as well. So it is distinctive enough from the initial ones. I will try it on a MagSafe charger at some point, I think, just to see if that bit works too. So that's my... Uh, They've got AirPods have got to be Apple's, you know, the first one, the second one, the third one, the Pro, the Pro 2. Fantastic device, aren't they? Just an amazing life improvement device and not, they're not cheap, but they're not ridiculously expensive. It is one of the best Apple things I've ever bought, for sure. I was so sceptical to begin with the original AirPods and then the Pros as well. But I don't know if it's com the combination of having a dog and I've talked about my adventures of AirPods dropping out my ears with a dog as well. But no, they're th these are good. And actually, I've gone for the, the extra big earplugs tips. this time, the tips, and they fit in my ear a lot better. They're very, very comfortable. And I passed the fit test. I've never passed the fit test before. So the little thing that you run, say, yeah, these fit snugly in your ears, I now pass the fit test. So, so that's good. And did you do the personalized spatial audio where you held the phone up? I haven't tried that yet. No, neither have I. Every time I've gone to start it, it's been too dark or there's been some issue I haven't done it. I'm not sure I want it. I don't know if I want spatial audio. It comes up as an option in the, when I was sort of playing around with the, with the new ones earlier. And I thought, remember that experience I had the other day when I was walking and turning my head and the music was moving around? I don't want that one I'm out and about, really. So I'm a bit mm, on the spatial audio. Yeah, I'm probably the same. Anyway, moving swiftly along, I bought a couple of other bits and pieces as well. And one of these is, in my van, the Tesla's not a problem. It has wireless charging, but the van doesn't. And every time I plug the lightning cable into the bottom of the phone while I'm driving, I can't access DAB radio. I don't know if there's something in the antennas or it's near the antenna for the radio in the van. So I've decided I need to move the holder in the van 
and potentially the, the, the power to it as well. So I thought it's time to go the whole hog. I've ordered what's called a Brodit Pro Clip, links in the show notes. And these are sort of plastic mounting system that you can sort of force into the dash of your car or van or whatever. And they're all fairly designed in a bespoke way. So I had to order a specific one for my year of van, not a Caravelle, not a transporter, but a, a California, the one without the lead, et cetera, et cetera. And it pushes specifically into a place on the dashboard. There's a choice of two or three places you can mount it on the right over the bucket thing at the top or whatever. And then I ordered a MagSafe mount for my phone as well. So that mounts the MagSafe connector, the Apple MagSafe connector, which I've also ordered and that also arrived today. To the clip on the dashboard, I can get rid of the thing that's stuck in the CD player. Yes, it still has a CD player. Uh, and hopefully I've got a nice clear mounting system that won't interfere with the radio and gets the phone a bit in a more appropriate position for my eyeline. Now that makes sense. I guess I'm lucky I've got CarPlay in my car. My wife's got CarPlay. And you just have the phone in our pockets. And it gets used to get very warm, but seems a lot cooler these days. I think that's the new thermals. Now, this makes a lot of sense to do, I think, if you... It's either that or you then go and buy a new head unit, which is a lot of money and, yeah, look, looks painful. Yeah, I have thought about the new head unit as well. But even then, I've got a MagSafe phone. It's about time I start to take advantage of it. And I've done this in my daughter's car with Brodit for her Mini. And when she goes over a speed bump fast enough, it does fall off the MagSafe puck. So I'll have to see how that goes, really. Yeah, quite. I love MagSafe. I've got I've got my phone on a MagSafe charger right now. We've got them in the house and by our bedsides. I managed to buy a bunch of them when Amazon had them about £30, maybe a bit less. So I bought a few then. It was a bit expensive at the time, but that was a few years ago. So we've had a good few years use. And I'm quite happy to see they haven't really done anything with MagSafe now. So, so all the chargers I've got are good, if that makes sense. We probably use Lightning the least now in the house. Fair enough. I mean, let's, it's days are numbered, hopefully. I think we need one of those bells when one of us says USB-C. We're on, we're on the countdown for lightning, aren't we now? We are. It's it's days are numbered. Okay, good. So that's been my purchase. I'll feedback when I get them. There's a bit of a run on the product, Pro Clips for, for the Volkswagen vans, so I don't think I'll get one of them immediately. There's 13 back ordered apparently, so when it comes, I'll fill you in on that. While I was at it, I also bought a USB-C PD charger to go in the cigarette lighter, which apparently goes flush. One side of it's USB-A, one side of it's USB-C, so that should cover what's going on for the moment in the van. And we'll see how we go. But that was it. Motoring with Rod. Well, I'm not going to a car section just yet. Have you got an update <laughs> on the Dynamic Island? Just briefly, I was listening to Upgrade on Monday, and I put a link in the show notes to 425. They were talking about the iPad having Dynamic Island, and... Jason Snell was referring to imagine the dynamic island just in software on the iPad. So you and I were talking about this last week. It's why I put in follow up. And if you just imagine that, depending on how you orientate your iPad, the island would move, and it just in essence just be you're now playing, you're on a phone call. And I was like, oh, actually, I could see that working. And maybe it could be an option to turn it on and off because it's all in software. You've got the micro LED screen or mini LED. I can't remember which which variant we've got on the iPad on the latest version of the iPad. That could be kind of neat in that. You know, it would just switch the orientation with you because you don't want two hardware oblongs, you know, on the, one on portrait, one for landscape. So I, I think that could work. And you still leave the camera either where it is or, or pop it on the top. So, yeah, I, I could see that being a thing in software. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it is to hide hardware. That's the point of it. And I, I was also reflecting on what we said last week. iPads are, have got thick bezels because you hold them in your hand and, you know, you need, you need a certain amount of space around them to balance them, which you hold a phone differently because you hold it by the edges. So I guess that is a neat solution to the fact that you're always going to have a certain amount of bezel on an iPad. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't know that I see the benefit of having it as a software-only thing other than it looks a bit cool. But I get it's to hide 
the hardware on the on the phone but it's also now a new way of you you're playing music and you can see it constantly the whole time which i, I don't know I, I think there's some good stuff there you sound converted I, to di i it? am I've, I've been using it on my iphone for what a week or two now and i love it it's fantastic fair enough okay that'll do us for follow-up moving on to news and rumors and the first one i can ask you about directly is that there seems to be a problem with iOS 16 and iPhone, particularly the new iPhone users, complaining of the battery life. How's your battery life been? Absolutely atrocious. I was comparing today with a friend who I worked with. He sent me a screen grab of his battery, completely unprompted by me. And he, he what did he have on his? He, he charged his up on Saturday. What's today? Monday. So it's three days. iPhone 14 regular. And he's got 50% battery left. And he hasn't charged it since. I charged mine up this morning, and by five o'clock, I've got like forty percent battery left. Hmm. And I haven't been using it all day because I've been on my iPad. I've been at work. I've dipped in and out of using it, but it shouldn't have dropped like that. I'm, I'm really the battery is awful because it's a brand new battery. So there's something going on there. I don't know if it's the always on screen. I don't really want to turn off the always on screen because, as we discussed last week, it's I think it's one of my favourite features. But yeah, ma- the the battery in the iPhone 14 Pro is to me very disappointing hmm. i think a lot of this is software i mean when when you sort of dig into the article there's people in iphone 13s and 12s complaining about it as well so you're probably getting the worst of all worlds in that you've got a slightly buggy software release which is hitting your battery and you've got an always on screen so you know i think the combination of those two things isn't helping you at all i think mine's a little bit worse i wouldn't say it was drastically worse but it, it's not not as bad as some people have been reporting it, but that is interesting. You're just being atrocious. Awful. And like I say, I'm I'm at home most of the time today and I've barely, you know, I've been on my iPad predominantly. I did notice it with my iPhone 12 Pro Max and it's part of a driver to change where I thought, oh, the battery's getting worse and worse. And I do think it is part of iOS 16. Hopefully it'll get addressed with 16.1 and that they put some engineering resource behind it. Hopefully. And that actually takes us nicely on to our next story about... We were talking last week about this mechanical noise with a grinding camera. Apple very quickly pushed out two software updates. We had 16.0.1 and 16.0.2, which is available for all devices. And 16.0.2 fixed two things, the noisy camera and the copy and paste bug, which actually, when I thought about it, was really bothering me, but I hadn't got as far as enough to think that this was a thing. So no matter what app you copied text out of, when you went to paste into another one, it would always complain and give you, throw up an alert going, you sure you want to do this? This could be dodgy. Sometimes within the same app. So copying and pasting from notes back into notes would make it do this so i'm quite glad they fixed that one yeah agreed i'm glad they've pushed it out quickly for the people who want it i think i think it's fine i hadn't seen i think i'd really seen the copy and paste bug that much and i hadn't seen the, the noisy camera at all so it's, it's great they fixed it let's move on i want to see them let's get 16.1 as a, it should be the mop-up release of all these bugs get that out there in october and then hope that that's us reset yep fair enough Moving on, we're, we're going to fly through these news for once. Mark Gurman, the sort of the leaker of news and, and tells us what's coming down the, down the pipe from Apple, has said that we may actually get press releases in no October event to announce the M2 MacBook Pros and Mac Minis, the M2 Pro and M2 Max MacBook Pros, and the M2 11-inch and 12.9-inch iPad Pros. So that would be quite a turnaround, wouldn't it? I think it depends. Have they got anything good to tell us? Have they got a story to tell it, or is it just here's what you've already seen before but we've just swapped out the gubbins so i think it depends are they doing anything major for me part of me thinking with my ipad head on great minor update i don't need to buy it because i've just bought a phone and a watch whereas if they do a major ipad refresh i'll probably want one not because i know what i'm like so i don't know i could see either way but then part of me was thinking are they even going to do like the ipad this year because of all the controversy and are they going to have 
stage manager ready this year? Or are they going to do what people are suggesting? They need to slap a beta sign off on it and kind of hide it. And it's there for the people that really want to go, go and seek it out. And maybe that's what they should have done is go, look, we're doing this thing. It's going to be a journey and it's there for you early adopters, but it's going to take us a few iterations to get there. So it would be, it'd be weird, but it could be doable. I'm guessing that means there's no Mac Pro to announce because surely there's, there's a Mac Pro in the works at some point, but you'd expect that to be the last desktop they announce. You could see them doing maybe an update to the studio and going, this amazing studio is really, really fast. It's the best desktop we've ever shipped. And then, oh, by the way, we've got one more thing. Here's an even faster studio that's twice as quick or whatever it may be. So it could happen. I guess it depends what, like I say, if it's just, if it is just spec bumps and really minor stuff like the MacBook Pro, they all they need to do is stick some M2s in it and they're off to the races, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose. Without a sort of major redesign, I can see why they might. Apologies if anybody can hear my dog barking in the background. I can see why they might. At the same time, modern Apple quite likes an event. It likes to get people in. It likes to talk up products, even if it is fairly minor. Uh, back in the day, we had an event for iPod socks. So, you know, I think it's not inconceivable that they'll get people in. Maybe they won't have an October one, but there's no way in on this earth that they're going to release the Mac Pro without some sort of event. Agreed. So maybe it's just the October one that will get punted and then we'll have one in November or we'll have one before Christmas because that's been done before as well. However, they did say they would do the Intel transition in two years. That's up now. And we I know we've largely done the Intel transition, but we've still got the one more to go. So I don't know. I would bet a quid they're going to do an October event. I think they'll do an event. I don't know if it'll be in October. Maybe they'll push it to November, but I'm with you. I think there'll be one more event. All right. They'll do a full event. That sounds perfectly reasonable. And they can get some stuff in front of people to buy for Christmas. It it suits them perfectly. Yep. Agreed. Good. Okay. Moving on. And this relates to you. Uh, There's been a few stories this week about the AirPods Max, the noise cancellation becoming worse in them. So have you noticed if your noise cancellation is getting worse in your AirPods Max? Not really. And I, I do use transparency mode and the noise cancelling mode I want to go on a walk. No, I've not really noticed it, if I'm honest. I think it's fine. But I'm, I'm quite easily pleased with them. I love these things. So no, I've not noticed it. I'm probably not the right audio file to comment. But I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I think the headphones might be fantastic. But the, this 4E71 firmware, and who even knows how you check what firmware your AirPods are running. There is a way in the settings, I think. They've made it a lot easier now. You just go into settings and where your AirPods appear up in the pane, they appear above airplane mode now. You can just tap on that and it'll tell you the version number. And if you tap through now, it will tell you about it. Well, there you go. But apparently this is the one where many users have noticed that the adaptive noise cancellation isn't as good as it was. So maybe you haven't updated yet or maybe you just haven't noticed yet or yours aren't affected by this particular bug. I'd love to tell you the answer, but I can't see my AirPods because I've got them plugged in via the cables. They're not appearing in settings. So once we're over, I will check and feedback next week. Yep, good, brilliant. And moving on. I mean, just to finish that thought, it would be quite bad if they start spoiling them in software, particularly if they then announce AirPods Max 2 and you think, oh, the conspiracy theory comes out. I'm sure it's not that. I'm sure it's just a software bug. I was just about to say the same. Maybe they they kind of, oh, how can we boost AirPod Max 2? AirPods Max 2 sales. Yeah, I did get it right. I keep wanting to call them Pro Max for some reason. I'm struggling with Apple's naming lately. Yeah, and they were throwing ultras around as well. Anyway, that's interesting. There, there was a rumor, wasn't there? iPhone 15 Ultra instead of the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Yeah, the, the names oh. are bad. And the words Max and the term Mac, I think, are too close together anyway. We need to get away from Max. Especially in order in audible format. Yeah, for sure. 
podcaster's problem. Last story in the news, and I thought this was just interesting. We talk occasionally about Apple's legal difficulties, and we've talked about the Epic Games trial previously. So if you recall, this is Epic Games, the makers of Fortnite and other games like that, who had a massive fallout with Apple. Apple revoked all the developer's keys, and the reason for this was that Epic were trying to run a store inside of Fortnite as opposed to get taking uh, giving Apple the 30% tax for being on the platform. Big falling out, developer keys revoked. Uh, antitrust case, court case about it, which Epic largely lost. I think there was one uh, element of it that Apple uh, lost as well, but Epic seemed to come out of it on the worst side. The judge ruled in favour of Apple. Epic have appealed this, and unusually, uh, the Department of Justice in America's antitrust lawyers have asked to make a 10 minutes, uh, to be given 10 minutes to talk before the judgment in the appeal case. So I think that's quite unprecedented and probably doesn't bode very well for Apple. But, but do you know which way they're going to speak? No. Apparently, the Department of Justice isn't appearing for either side, but the argument it makes supports Epic's contention that the App Store is in breach of antitrust laws. Right, okay. Okay, that makes some sense. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, watch this space. Agreed. Cool. Okay. Let's move on to media. Let's move on. Media. I think we could, we, there's a lot in this, but I think we can rattle through it because most of it's just going to be, it's very good watching it. Watch it. So, it was interesting, I thought, that Apple was introduced to the partner for the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl happens in January. For the last N number of years, it has been Pepsi. So your fizzy water maker has been sponsoring the halftime show. They've brought out various artists. This year, it's Apple that's going to be supporting the halftime show, or Apple Music, to be specific. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it is. And obviously, they are try- they're trying to get market share, aren't they? They're really pushing Apple Music now. I think now the service is settled down. They've got a great catalog. They've got some exclusive live shows. I did go into the, I think it was the iTunes app or the Apple Music app earlier on my phone and, and there was a Billie Eilish piece coming up in there, you know, across all the banners doing a live piece. So they're clearly getting into their, their swing again, I think, to be fair to them. Yeah, I, the more cynical part of me thinks there's been these rumors of Apple having Friday night football in America and wouldn't it be a perfect time to announce you're doing Friday night football when you're sponsoring the Super Bowl for the next season? Yeah, good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the, interesting. The plan's coming together, isn't it? Maybe the plan's coming together, or maybe I'm just speculating or reading the tea leaves wrong. Anyway, that's interesting. Being good to see what sort of show they do. Moving on, I have been watching a bit of Disney Plus this week. There is a new series, a Star Wars series being released. It's called Andor. If you watch the Rogue One movie, one of the main characters in that was Cassian Andor. And this is a prequel to what happened before the Rogue One movie. I really enjoyed it. It's very different for a Star Wars show. It's very grounded. There's no magical space wizards in it so far, which is quite nice to see. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Very gritty. I love how I'm already behind on the TV series and it's only just been released. It's unusual for Disney to drop three. They normally only drop one at a time and then go with that. So they must. it makes me wonder if they haven't got 100% faith in it. It's very British, though. The cast are all British and Scottish, which I'm quite enjoying as well. And it's probably been filmed in Pinewood or something. But yeah, yeah uh, quite enjoying that. Oh, I need to find some time in the, in the diary, don't I? I'd, I'd quite enjoy it, I think. If you like Rogue One, I think it's worth a watch for sure. I Rogue One was the one set for the first one ever made. It's immediately before yeah. a new, a episode new hope, a four. New, episode four, yeah. A New Hope. Yeah, it ends where it, A New Hope starts with the Tantive Four blockade runner being taken over by the Star Destroyer. Sorry, I went a bit geeky there. Yeah, if you like Star Wars, give it a watch. Hey, I work in IT. The geekiness just washed over me. <laughs> yeah, but you don't watch Star Trek. Moving on, I've done Amazon Prime. I finally got into watching the second episode of Lord of the Rings. It's grown. It's still, the money is all over the screen and very like an Apple show, as I've said before. I've 
become less annoyed at the actor they've picked to pay they've picked to play one of the elves which is quite good and it's full of ex-casualty stars as far as i can see as well there's a few people in there from watching casualty back in the day that are playing dwarves and things so i've quite enjoyed that i i will go back to it and watch it again it's it's just a very well done show do they still make casualty yeah right okay it just seemed like one of those shows that's just eternally on yeah 30 plus years of casualty which even i've stopped watching now they have stopped watching making holby city though I can't watch Casualty. Too gory for me. Yeah, I just pick out all the things that are wrong with it. Moving swiftly along, speaking of UK TV, nice link, Chris. Thank you for that. Taskmaster is back in the UK this Thursday. That's on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock, and I will be glued to watching the Taskmaster because it's one of my favourite shows. I've never seen it. Oh, my gosh. It's pretty bad, isn't it? I'm aware how good it is, and people at work talk about it. I don't know how I haven't seen it because I think it would be right on my street would be completely up your street i i'm i'm horrified i almost want to say stop the podcast and go and watch it it's that good it's more important than anything else we've talked about so far you need to go and start watching taskmaster go watch taskmaster stop the podcast don't don't pick your son up from scouts watch taskmaster and come back yeah yeah because that, that's far more important than any of that if you haven't watched the first two episodes of taskmaster because you've got your channel 4 subscription now as well with no adverts next week that is your homework two episodes of taskmaster four plus just auto renewed and i'm quite happy to spend the 40 quid on it quite right too good okay we've got homework for you moving on i you mentioned it last week the grand tour scandy flick did you get a chance to watch it i did i sat down with my boys who are nine and eleven and we popped this on and my wife was not that fast but me and the kids absolutely loved it annoyingly we couldn't quite do it in one sitting because they had to go to bed but fantastic loved it it was classic clarkson hammond and may some quite bits i didn't expect and i didn't really want to ruin it for anybody but there was one shocking bit i did not expect but i generally loved it i thought it was very funny great seeing some of the cars be ragged around my boys thoroughly enjoyed it and they've actually gone back and started watching some really dated top gear episodes because they all seem to be available on the iplayer in the uk because there was a time when you could only get like the very latest top gears they didn't have all the back catalog but the, the boys came back and watching them and they're really into it and they seem they like some of the stupidness of it to be fair. I mean, you know, they're, they're nine and eleven, but it was great family family sort of flick to watch. Flick, fantastic, yeah, genuinely enjoyed it. Great cinematography, I thought. It always they always have high production values, don't they? Yeah, I watched it too. The what the shocking moment got me as well, and the rest of my family came up watch it at that point too because it was quite so shocking. I did not see that coming. I must confess. No, from that particular person as well. It was the least likely person who was going to do that. <clears throat> and it made it to Gogglebox. If you watch Gogglebox in the UK, then that particular moment made it to Gogglebox too. So it's obviously got out of Scandi Flick. I almost died laughing at a couple of bits when they were towing their shelters for the night and how badly that went. I was, yeah, it was. it's a funny show. Even if you don't... Jer- Jeremy Clarkson is a divisive character and I don't like a lot of the things he does, but he's still funny. And I'm afraid I find him and, and Hammond and May funny as well. And I thoroughly enjoyed it too. They do work really well as a trio. Interesting, apparently they don't hang out outside of filming. They just do the filming and it works, but they don't actually spend free time together. Whereas I could imagine them meeting up, but apparently not. Fair enough. Keep the magic going. Good. Okay. Uh, Did did you ever watch Clarkson's Fun? No. That was fantastic. Really? My kid, annoyingly, a bit too much swaying for me, for the children. But fantastic, very funny. And it's actually based very near where I live. And it was great to watch. And I must take the kids there. But they're doing another episode of it. And I'm really looking forward to it. It was just, Clarkson is peak stupidness and funny. And but just some of his observing this. And basically, he starts the show with, you know, I'm going to try and run a farm for a year. 
I've owned it for ages, but the farmer's retired kind of thing. And he has a go at it. And he's trying to demonstrate how little money farmers make from it, which is why it's called Diddley Squat Farm, because he worked for a whole year and made literally nothing. Mm. Yeah. The, you know, selling the crops and the animals and, you know, and so on and so forth. Fair enough. I might, I might get around to it at some point. But there's, as we keep saying, Chris, there's a lot of TV. Moving at least along. I've watched me. You haven't. That is true. That is true. Moving along, House of the Dragon, episode five is the last one I watched. Episode six, I think, is available about now. Being renewed for season two. It's very good. If you like Game of Thrones, you should watch it. And I won't say more than that other than to say it just... It's exactly what you want from Game of Thrones type stuff. So between that and Lord of the Rings, I have all my fantasy bases covered. Never seen Game of Thrones. Never seen House of the Dragon. I'm just spectacularly behind it. I do struggle with TV series just because there's too, too much commitment for me. Fair enough, but still, Taskmaster. If you take nothing else away from this list, you got to watch Taskmaster. Uh, I can see me getting I should give Taskmaster a go. You should. Agree. Moving on, next item is yours. Yeah, so actually something I did make time for was to watch the Sydney documentary. And I quite like a documentary, but I was a bit disappointed, I'm sorry to say. I think amazing actor, definitely. It was an interesting show, but it just felt... Just felt a little long to me. It was a, a circa two hours. I don't know. I just didn't find it as engaging. Usually, I find the documentary super engaging. And look, he he did a lot of good stuff. You know, a black actor in a very white dominated sector very early on, pivotal in that, fantastic. But I just was disappointed with the the documentary. I just thought it could have been a bit quicker paced, could have been a bit more insightful. So yeah, sadly, I'm sorry. It's not a five star it's probably like three star it's, it's worth a watch it was interesting but there's so much other tv out there to watch fair enough that, that based on that recommendation i won't be rushing to watch it but if i am looking for something i i might have a quick go i got progressed to the second episode of bad sisters that's still quite good and quite dark so i'll continue with that as well and that's it for apple tv plus for me wasn't that also in Gogglebox? i think yeah which is quite interesting because i hadn't seen it and it looked quite interesting what was going yeah. on there. Yeah, spoilers for sure, yeah. Anyway, moving on, that'll do us for a media, I think. Games, which I think we can fire through this week as well. I've got a little more to talk about this week than last week. A few weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about playing a demo on PC called Metal Hellsinger, which is kind of this heavy metal type thing. Well, it, it came to Xbox Games Pass, so I stuck that in the Xbox, and after 45 minutes, I found myself sitting on the couch banging my head thoroughly enjoying myself playing Metal Hellsinger. I don't think it's the longest game in the world, but the execution of a beat game with a shooter game and the how the music how well the music is done in the background, even if you don't like a bit of metal, is just it's exceptional. It's a really, really well done, fun, compelling game. I've put in the show notes a link to a Latvian YouTuber that I quite like called Yamix. I ended up watching Yamix because he does a lot of the space review games. He does Elite Dangerous and, and the Privateer Star Citizen and things like that. He's quite a good reviewer. I like his take on this and he looks the part for it. He's got the right hair for, for a metalhead and he thoroughly enjoyed it as well. So yeah, worth a watch. If you, if you have got Xbox games, pass it. I think it's worth a play. Won't take up too much of your time, but just a very well done game that's found a niche. So it looks like Doom, but to rhythm. Yeah. Right, okay. It's like a mix of Doom and Guitar Hero. So you can, if you can time your shots with the beat you get more points it does more damage if you can time your reloads to the beat it's all sort of quite well thought out like that you still need to aim and shoot and do all that kind of stuff but all the actions that you do you need to time it to a beat as well which makes you more powerful and just the music gets faster the upgrades get better and then the singer kicks in when you get it to about sort of 16 times it's really well done it sounds very good but it sounds like i would be awful at this because i've got no sense of rhythm whatsoever 
so neither do I, but I sort of it kind of clicks all of a sudden, and then you're just away, and you're off to the races with it. It's 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 really quite smartly done. Fair enough, fair enough. It's not for me though. I'm sorry. So the next one might be for you then. Edith Finch is that one of yours? Have you have you ever played this? So I'd heard a little bit about it. I might have even heard John Suracusa mention it. And I saw it on the Switch. They've got like a big, big sale on at the moment. And it was like £7, so I thought I'd download it. It's a very bizarre game. I've only played the first few levels. So you start off like, you start off in a house and there's locked doors and you're a kid. And then you end up becoming a bird and you have to kill things. And it's just, you end up, and you, and you end up being a shark, you have to kill something. And, and it just kind of went on and on. And it was just... Yeah, I kind of pulled the same face as you. I was like, what, what's this all about? So I need to go away and read a bit more around it. But I just wondered if you'd ever played it. Um, I just had heard about it. I'd seen it. It looked, looked, looked quite cool. I expected it to just be some sort of story game and you're, you're going back through somebody's life kind of thing. But it was just very bizarre. So that's what I had to say on that one. It was just, just bizarre. I also bought Inside as well because it was a couple of quid on the Switch and that looked quite a cool arty sort of game. I haven't played that one yet. I left that one downloading. So that's next to try and I'll report back. Fair enough. I'll look out for Edith Finch. It sounds just peculiar enough that I might want to give it a go. No, I would skip it. It's bizarre. <laughs> okay, fair enough. One that I will skip, but you're more likely to see than me, is that FIFA, I think it's a 23. FIFA 23, is that the next it one? It will be FIFA 23. FIFA 23 has added Tad Les- Ta- Ted Lasso and Richmond FC to the roster of players. Is this the last FIFA we're going to get? Because we talked about them losing the FIFA brand. But yeah, Ted Lasso coming to FIFA, done. My son wants FIFA 23. I will always play as AFC Richmond and he will have no idea who they are because he knows all the teams. I'm not very good on it, but that's my team. I'm quite looking forward to this. That's definitely the dad's team, isn't it? When you're playing your your young son at FIFA or your young daughter. Yeah, it almost made me want to go in and download it and have a look, really. I'm sure it'll come at Games Pass as well and I might check it out at that point. Only to see it animated Ted Lasso. And if you watch the little advert for it, then they do digitise Ted Lasso halfway through it and, and a couple of the players too. So they actually show you what the in-game graphics look like with Jason Sudeikis doing the Ted Lasso voice and things to it as well. So it's worth the two and a half minutes or whatever it is just to watch the trailer. I think it's brilliant. I'm glad they've done it. I must confess, I didn't know as much between FIFA 21 and 22 and I'm sure I know as much between 23, but my son likes it because it's got all the players and the teams. Same reason I buy the Formula 1 games. Yeah, I don't think you're meant to notice it. I think it's just to change the strips to match what's going on. The same as they do with the Formula 1, the same as they do with the MotoGP game. It's the riders are on different bikes, the drivers are in different cars, and they've changed deliveries. That'll be another, another 50 I'm sure quid. they chip away at the mechanics each year and, and all of that. So Last year, though, top tip for people out there, if you buy it on Christmas Eve, they usually have a sale on, on PlayStation. So I got it super cheap, and I left it to the last minute and got the digital download. Fair enough. Good stuff. My last story for games, unless you've got anything else after this, is that the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 beta came out for pre-orders. I foolishly pre-ordered Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 because I played a lot during lockdown. We've talked about it on this podcast before. It's a lot of fun. If I want to switch my brain off for 10 minutes when I'm not playing Metal Hellsinger, it would seem. I fight a little bit of Modern Warfare. It's really good. Just the quality of the animation and things within it. For example, if you throw a grenade in the water, it will float up a little bit before exploding, and then it will actually create ripples on the top of the water. So you'll get concentric waves rippling out from the grenade and lapping onto the shore. If it's a bigger thing like Semtex, you can actually see the waves breaking further away. Why spend so much on water effects on a stupid shooty-shooty bang-bang game? I don't know, but I'm really impressed with the quality of the graphics in it. 
I'm guessing they're running out of, they've done all the low-hanging fruit and now they're doing the, the not-so-low-hanging fruit. I should know a little bit about this. I was talking to a friend of mine on the train and a lot, a lot of my guys play, play this game because I was getting confused between this and Warzone and he was saying about this being in beta. I think it's the multiplayer piece that's in beta, isn't it? And you can log in and play that and he was very much booking last Friday off so he could spend all day Friday on it while his partner was at work and then Saturday and Sunday. And I was asking, well, what's the difference? Because it, it kind of made me think a bit about FIFA. Like, is there actually much different? And he was like, not overly, but it is awesome. And he wants to play with all his friends and, and other people that we work with. So I can see the appeal if you're into it. I think it looks good. I'd like to do the campaign myself, but I always find them quite expensive to do the campaign. So I normally wait until the next one's out. And then I buy last year's when it's, you know, £30 or something, and I can go and do the solo play because I enjoy the solo campaigns. That's, that's up my street. Sure. I mean, we did play a little bit of Warzone together when you got your PS5, I seem to recall. And I don't think you had a terrible time. You just didn't have a lot of time to sort of really engage with it. I'm just not very good, though, am I? I'm not good at it, and I do struggle with the time side. Maybe we'll try again. Maybe we'll try again. Because the Modern War, uh, sorry, Warzone is free. You don't need Modern Warfare 2 to play Warzone, and that's quite a nice appealing thing for people. Yeah, and I've upgraded my hard drive in the PlayStation we talked about. So I've actually, because it is quite a space monster, isn't it? It is. Well, and I can play on PC and you can play on PlayStation. Anyway, we'll park that for now. Anything else for games? Any play date news? No, none. Not really. I've been so busy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a great host here. I need, to, I need to quit my day job and just spend time reviewing and playing games and making games so I can report back. Yeah, so back to Amazon. If you want to sponsor a podcast, we're available on WF. <laughs> underscore podcast at protonmail.com if you want to get chris and i reviewing a few more things yeah definitely good moving on main show and i think we'll have quite a short main show this week i I had had a rant last week and i wouldn't call this a rant this is just some experience that might be interesting for people here and we could have a little bit of a thought about what it means for school and university so where i'm going with this is my daughter and her boyfriend are starting university and they went both went to cardiff last week and actually and i was thinking about what sort of equipment do they need and i talked on this podcast before about how his itunes account and his icloud account was still using his mother's account so i managed to get the mother and the family to actually start doing the family sharing thing she took the account he created an icloud account she added his icloud account to the family all went quite well i did panic about it i had to back up his laptop stop i had to back up his iphone to my daughter's laptop because that's all i had to hand at the time using i using finder first time i've done that i can't remember the last time i backed up an iphone actually plugged it in with a cable but you have to do it in finder now it's not in itunes anymore it's not in music anymore you back it up um yeah i'd forgotten they moved all that actually yeah because we all whinged about itunes and then they made the terrible music app instead so you know you be careful what you wish for that worked reasonably straightforward Uh, you get the option when you remove one icloud account but do you want to keep the stuff on the device do you want to merge it Do you want to delete it what do you want to do that's quite well thought out i got to think because he was absolutely panicking that he was about to lose all of his contacts and everybody he knows on his phone that didn't happen all that went smoothly on his phone. No pressure, dude. No, I know. I was, I was, I was a little nervous about it. The only thing that didn't come over were his notes, which is a bit of a pain because, as I suspect most people do, he stores all of his passwords in his notes. Yes, I'm not surprised by that. So I said, it's probably not the end of the world when your mother, whose the notes are, adds you back as a family thing. She can share the notes that you need to see from her account with you. I think. So I haven't heard any more about it. So I think that went re- relatively smoothly. No, I hate doing this for other people because I'm always worried. Oh, what am I gonna? Am I gonna break something or have some unintended consequence? The strangest one was when he brought his laptop background, and we finished doing that. Was everything was fine except 
for some reason, Messages was still using the old iCloud account. So we signed out of everything, but Messages, I had to specifically go into that by itself and sign out. Uh, that's pretty dodgy, really. When you sign out, you should sign out everything. Agreed, but there's probably some legacy code in there because Messages used to be iChat, didn't it, and iChat AV. So I'm not, I'm not that surprised by that, but I don't envy the task you're doing here. That sounds quite painful. Well, I haven't heard about him now for a week, so hopefully it all's gone well, I think. But it's just a sort of broader and I think probably fairly rapid discussion about how do you handle the IT problem with, you know, sending your kids off to school or in my case, sending my kid, you know, my kid off to university. Sorry, just before you end this, I was going to say you said about setting up the family account. I think that one of the single best things I did when the children were quite young, I actually set them up as children to my iTunes account or my Apple ID and my wife. And we started that family thing really early on. And then when we got the PlayStation, I wish I did the family thing then because my son started playing on it a little bit as me. But actually, I wish now that I properly divorced my games and set up from his so that he can go on the PlayStation and be him in everything. Whereas we've got a few things linked to me, a few things linked to him. I should have just done it all through his email address, which is all with iCloud separate. He doesn't know he has an email address yet, but I should have separated it from day one so that he's got his own stuff. So as he gets older and he got his iPad and then, you know, in a few years you have a phone and what have you, you've got that in there. So I could recommend to anybody listening, if you've got a family, do the family thing from the start when they've got no data because you're just putting in the structures you need as they get older. And what is fantastic now, the, 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 my children can listen to our Apple Music, listen to whatever they want on it. It's great. And you can say, you know, don't let them listen to explicit lyrics, but they can pick whatever they want and they get it all for free because it's included in the family plan. So that is one thing I would recommend to anybody out there. And you think, oh, no, they're only five or six. You know, they don't need to have the structure in place. But if you do it now, it does make your life easier in the future. That's Sorry, that's why. No, no, I, I endorse that entirely. And I had the same experience with iCloud stuff. And then I almost did exactly the same experience with trying to get my youngest daughter sorted out with Xbox Games Pass and all that kind of stuff. Because that's complicated when you get more than one console. She wants to play Minecraft with her friends on her account. You have a primary Xbox that you can nominate and they can play anything that's installed on that. But you kind of need to bless the secondary one with it, you know, to be able to use a different account. And it's actually still slightly complicated. And I thought this was something Microsoft had right. And I've tried to do it correctly, but obviously I've done something wrong in the setup of them. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it's painful, I think. And same with the Switch as well. We've got the same problem there. They all play on it as me because Nintendo have got no good way of sharing games. I don't mind not playing it at the same time, but they've got to basically be logged in as me. Yeah. which is a bit rubbish. I'm not going to spend £100 on whatever Mario game. I'm going to buy it once for £50 and myself and the children will use it. So I've got to go back and deal with the, the, the PS, you know, at some point, I think, and do that, that separation because he's getting bigger now. He's going to be playing with his friends and he's going to want me seeing his friends or his scores and we may want to play against each other. And then the problem you're going to have is they're going to want to play Call of Duty. And because you put in the real dates of birth for that, they won't let them play Call of Duty because they're not 18. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that was one I discovered as well, that she wanted to play, yeah, I think it was Battlefield, actually, with her, with her friends uh, that had them. And it wouldn't let her because I'd put in a real date of birth. And there is an option that say don't do parental things, but it just ignored it. It's all Rocket League in our house at the moment. And actually, when he plays that, it says communication is disabled because you're not old enough kind of thing. Which, which I think is a bonus. Yeah, they're trying to do the right thing. And I have heard some of the chat that comes out of her friends when they're playing Minecraft. And all they do, actually, is they go, well, if they're allowed to play it, is they go on Discord or something like that. And then they get they do the chat anyway. So you're not going to stop them swearing, I'm afraid. 
I just don't need him listening to random people on the internet at the moment. Though. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Anyway, good. Back to what I was saying before, then. So how do you decide what tech to buy for your kids to take to school? It's really timely that you put this in here, because that's what I was talking to somebody at the weekend, and my son in a year will go to secondary school. And the parents I was talking to, they're like, oh, their son's just gone to secondary school. It's fantastic. Everything, all the homework's on the computer. And I was, and I think I had this moment, I was like, ah, what computer does my son need to go to school? Does he need to have a laptop? Could he have an iPad like I have with a keyboard and a mouse? You know, is it a Mac? Is, you know, because I'm probably not going to buy a Windows PC. So it just got my mind going of, ah, what am I going to do for my 12-year-old son in a, in a year from now? In some ways, I'd rather him have an iPad of some description with a keyboard because it's a lot more robust than a MacBook that he will break because he is not fantastic looking after stuff. But then equally, I don't want him to feel like he's got an arm behind his back and what all his mates can have they can have chromebooks so they can have windows devices i don't know i find it quite interesting it looks like most of it's web-based and i'm sure you've been through this with, with your children it's probably all google docs isn't it yeah it's exactly google docs is what it is so both of mine through secondary school when they landed at secondary school they both got email accounts which were google's email accounts a google for domain for the school that they went to one still goes to that was all managed with that and everything from their homework assignments to the reports to when they're writing presentations to doing everything is managed through google docs and google classrooms which is quite a powerful thing for how they can structure lessons and how they can do it and all the rest of it so a lot of that can be done in chromebooks both of mine have had macs over the years but basically it's got to be something with a web browser and then you can just get on and do it yeah so what what would you do though would you well i'm a big ipad person the problem yeah inflict that upon him or actually would i be better to get a macbook maybe a macbook air that my wife's got now in a year's time that could ripple down the family yeah i wouldn't go ipad for google docs it doesn't support it very well when you're trying to do split screen things when you're trying to do all the rest of it and google are very bad at keeping google their sort of google doc support updated on an ipad even with the keyboard. Unfortunately, it's a substandard experience. And I think it's deliberate on Google's part that it is a substandard experience because they want kids to go and buy a Chromebook, really, or at least use a proper web browser and get at these things. So they want the parents to, not the kids. So I almost feel it's intentionally hobbled on iPads. And the, I, the trickle-down thing, that works quite well. If you have got an older laptop that you can sort of move along, then that, that's a good way of doing it. Unfortunately, if you want to do it the cheapest possible way, it's a Chromebook. Yeah, I kind of want something that I can support and understand, though. And then part of me is like, well, should they have a, should they have a proper laptop? Because they might want to do other things with it. And that's how I got into computers, like programming and, and what have you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you on the, if you buy a Chromebook, then they're very hobbled. And we're probably both quite opinionated about Chromebooks and how, how restrictive they are. And a proper computer would be a Mac or a Linux machine or even a Windows machine, God forbid. So, you know, but at least it lets you get on and do other things. If he did want to have a little game of Minecraft, he can do that with a Mac or a Windows machine or, or whatever. You can't really do that with a Chromebook. But of course, you're buying it for the homework and all the rest of it. Just to continue the thought to where I'm going with the university side of it, having come through this, and she's gone off to university now with her M1 MacBook Air, she's got a device that she's comfortable using the second they step out of that Google Doc environment. And the chances are they will use Google Docs or something like it, some web-based thing in some way, shape, manner, or form. But also the expectation that you can put together a PowerPoint presentation or you do your experiment, she's doing biochemistry. She's probably going to need to install software over and above what she's used to in a Chromebook. And she knows how to do that on the device she's had. So she didn't to begin with. But as the years have passed and she's understood, yeah, I do the school stuff in a browser, but there's other programs. There's Adobe this, you know, that 
or I've got to do something in another program. There's Apple Pages, because I don't always want to use Docs for all my things, because it doesn't support pasting in the way that I want, has really helped her as as time passed. And I can see it with the younger one as well. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I said, I think your conversation when to talk about what kit to buy your children is quite interesting, because it kind of led into mine of what decision do I take now to lead them down down the road? I Personally, I don't want to have another Windows device. I don't know what I'm doing with it anymore. I've, my skills are massive. But I just haven't used one for three years since the start of the pandemic. So I'm just not in that world, which is why I was thinking of the iPad piece. But I still get the iPad piece is a bit niche. And we're more than a year away of it being less niche for a full-time computer, especially with the current releases that we've been talking about. So I think you're convincing me that maybe a, a MacBook Air is the right way. And I can say my wife's got one, which this could work kind of thing but obviously once you buy one mac for one child you've got to buy another one for another child you know two years later but it's quite interesting how my eldest son who's 11 literally just turned will go from having no phone and no laptop to within a year having both and his tech is tripling you know what he's going to have and have to deal with the things he's going to need to learn about browsing the internet send an email you know just stuff he doesn't know anything about at the moment so it's going to be quite an education with him and I think that's kind of above and beyond just going to school. That's kind of just life education because they don't really teach you about using your phone and social media and messages. I, not that I'm aware of yet, but a lot of the kids in his class have got phones. Well, I wonder how much they've done at primary school just to go, look, you've got phones. You should be very careful what you paste, you know, you post online because they're going to, some of them will have social media accounts and things, even though they're not 13. I, I get. I guarantee about sixty percent of them have got social media accounts, even though they're not thirteen. And certainly towards the latter primary school here, and definitely in secondary school, there were a number of what do they call it? PSA, physical and sociological. It's it, physical and sexual something. It's what used to, we used to be PE, but they call it PSA here. Those lessons about you know you need to be aware of the of your body. You need to be aware of the pictures you're taking. You need to be aware of what you post. It doesn't go away if it's on the internet. You need to be careful who you speak to. And all that education has happened from about year seven in primary school because the schools were aware this were happen was happening. So yeah, there was very much a sort of push towards that. Year seven is secondary school. Sorry, year six into year seven. Yeah, so my son's in year six at the moment, yeah. and. Like I say, it's just interesting. And given I'm the IT person, I'm probably more skeptical about him having IT stuff than most parents, I think, because I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I'm just nervous on it because we've never had it in the house. And I guess it gets easy with child number two because you you know what's coming and you know to deal with it. But I'm just nervous he's going to have the internet and that they've got iPads at the moment, but no web browser. And we're going to have to start turning more and more on. I think it's quite locked down, which has served them fine. And they're quite happy in that bubble, but they haven't seen everything else they can get. Yeah. And then uh, you as a parent, how, how much do you lock down the devices? Because I went through this. We talked about it, I think, on this podcast of how granular you can be about locking down the device, what websites they can have access to. Can they install apps? Can, they, can you lock down their apps so they can only use it for five minutes a day? All those choices sort of devolve to you as a parent. As you start to, to enforce them, for want of a better word, that affects how their socialization is with the other kids in their year. It's, it's a whole ball of wax. It really is. Yeah, so at the moment, ours are quite locked down. But they have, they're not doing anything with their friends, but we're going to need to reduce those controls and give them the internet and give them the access to their email account. Start teaching them that you're going to get random emails from people you don't know because that is life and text messages and, you know, all of that sort of good stuff. Hopefully them having an iPad's helped because it means when they get an iPhone, it's just a smaller iPad. So that, that will help them understand how to navigate and, you know, force quit and how to get into settings. But they've, they've got them quite locked down. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. So what is the right tech then? 
back to your original question for your daughter going to university what's the right tech for a student at university so i think with the exception of one thing i'm not sure about i'm okay so she's gone off with her m1 macbook air that will do her more than well enough for being able to take notes and lectures for being able to run if she knows experiments and things like that i i know from the vaguely scientific background i've got now that yeah you get windows programs but if it's something like go and program in python or here's a statistical language you've got to learn they run on macs perfectly well these days so i'm i'm not particularly bothered from that point of view macs are a lot more prevalent at uni than when you and i went to uni you and i were outliers if i remember correctly yeah and you know quite a lot of lecturers actually wander around with macs these days as somebody who works in the university i see this myself you know there are macs on 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 researchers desktops and serious researchers as well that do you know good quality science with with the tools they have available to them and i think we've, we've i've touched on this before we've lost that a little bit because the, with the Intel transition, we've lost access to some of the tools that we had before. And a Mac was a no-brainer in, in academia in one point of view, because you could buy it and you could run anything. You could run Linux or Windows or Mac on it. And they would have Mac, but you could virtualize something or you could reboot into a, a boot camp and do something else. So it's getting better again, but we definitely took a step back. So anyway, to answer the question, M1 MacBook Air. I have swithered slightly about her having an iPad as well, because there is something compelling about lectures with a pencil and an iPad. But I'm holding off on that for a little bit just to see how it goes because I don't think it's essential at this point. And do do students take their map, their laptops in and do they take notes on their laptops or do they write by hand or what, what do they do these days? Well, I don't know. I mean, when I when I give a lecture, most of them are stood sat there with with laptops open in front of me. Right. Okay. Is that because they're chatting to their mates or because they're writing notes? Almost certainly because they're chatting to the mates. So, but just but. Checking. I'm, I, I presume there's a certain amount of note-taking going on. And they look stuff up as you tell them as well. So, you know, when I give a lecture and I put a reference on it, I hope most of them are going off to check the reference to the, the paper I'm talking about. And they're not just on Facebook, you know, saying what, what a divot this guy is, you know, which is probably more likely, frankly. But the point is they have these tools to hand when you're giving them the lecture. So the expectation from us is that you're using them for, for what you're telling them to get on with it for. No, it makes sense. Actually, I was at Microsoft last week and it was quite encouraging to see a couple of the guys in the room actually taking notes on iPads, which is great to see Microsoft be device agnostic. You know, still running the Microsoft apps on said iPad, but, you know, Apple Pencil out, taking notes. And it, it was nice for me not to be the only iPad guy in the room for a change. For sure. Good. Okay, that's that's an interesting discussion. I think we might revisit that as things pass. You no, know, just, sorry, just back to the iPad comment though for your daughter. Do you think actually you would go for an iPad because for taking notes or is it then a third device and she wouldn't manage it because i had that with my wife she had an ipad early on and she was like i don't know where this fits in my life i've got my macbook which she and she loves her mac and she's got her iphone she loves her iphone and then she for a period she tried an ipad but she's like i just can't find a need to have another device to look after and I, i've kind of gone through that i had two ipads for a while and i've just actually reset my mini ipad because i just haven't used it and so I'm going to sell it because it's just another device to keep up to date. And if you don't keep it up to date, you go to use it and say, oh, I need to download all my email or I need to install some app updates or an OS update. And would that be, you know, is she better to have two devices that she looks after or a third one that, you know, that maybe doesn't get the love so much? I don't know. Well, it's it's a fair point. And I think it's why I haven't sent her off with one. You know, here's a phone. Here's your, here's your laptop on you go for the first term and see how you get on at least and you know if it becomes desperate that she must have one for reason x and it's a really good reason then we can talk about it then but for the moment i think a laptop and a phone is more than good enough that's fair enough and there may be new ipads next month anyway so you know you need to hold off for the goodness <laughs> maybe that means the other ones will be cheap and, and does your daughter take any other tech to uni 
she took a TV, a smart TV with Netflix and Amazon Prime and things like that. An actual TV? An actual TV. I just assume kids just use their iPad and their their laptops or their iPads. Yeah, but at the same time, I think she's in one room. (laughs) You know, we're in multiple rooms. We can walk in and watch TV and actually, with the exception of our phones, completely switch off everything else that's around us. I wanted her to have a little bit of that as well, where she wasn't just on her her laptop for work, her laptop for entertainment, her laptop for chatting, her phone, you know. I, I, and it's bad posture probably to hunch over your laptop or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a little bit of a bigger screen has got yeah. to help. So I'm trying to think of anything else. A battery in case her phone was running down, and that's pretty much it, really. Tech's got a lot simpler these days, I think. Like, you know, you've got to take a desktop computer with you and all of those kind of monitor and all, all of that sort of stuff. And I'm assuming she gets, like, good internet and, and she, is she in all's residence and stuff. Yeah, so you may not be aware of this. UK universities have a system called EduRome, which is a Wi-Fi network that is compatible or available in every higher education institution and most NHS hospitals across the UK. So when I sign up to my university with my staff email, my device will work on in any campus across the UK. And in fact, I've had it work in places like Schiphol Airport and things as well, whereas EduRome is just one universal Wi-Fi, which is secure lockdown to your university account that just works it's it's a phenomenal accomplishment actually that's not, that, that does sound really good we run something similar at work where you, if you're enrolled your device with us at work your either your iphone or your, or your work laptop you can go to any one of our sites and it will just work if it's got the, the right ap's in it you just turn up and it just goes on it but you don't even know what the wi-fi is called it just does it yeah. when we first put wi-fi out to the business they didn't even know we'd done it because all their devices just joined automatically yeah, stuff like that is great. It's just it's the scope of Edgerome that gets to me. When you think of how many universities and colleges and NHS hospitals there are across the UK. Yeah, they're, they're literally blanketing the country at this point. It, and in fact, I've noticed when other people have been driving cars that the mega bus that goes between Cardiff and Swansea actually has Edgerome APs on it as well, which is just incredible. Oh, really? Yeah. Fantastic. Now, I was just curious to see what else your daughter was taking because... I have no idea what kids have tech-wise these days, you know, and I was just, yeah, a little curious just to see how much tech you actually take to uni. Well, she's not going to be playing Counter-Strike Go like we were back in the day on, on her on her desktop, so hopefully that'll be a thing she doesn't have to do. No, fair enough, fair enough. I guess the actual packing up the car to go to uni has got a lot easier because you don't need to take DVDs. Technically, you wouldn't need to take a book. Does she have a Kindle or does she read books or...? Well, she does read books, but not on a Kindle. She uses her, her phone or a laptop. And, and her course books will be different. She's got course, well, she's got one course book, but they say most of them are available online these days. And the old academic here says to her, well, you want to be reading papers anyway. You don't, you don't need a lot of stuff from books. You, know, you should have your access to your library and you should be reading the current thinking in your chosen specialist topic. So. Fair enough, fair enough. I was, like I said, just, just curious. Yep, no, fair enough, good. Okay, I think we can almost close out. I have a little app recommendation though i'm sorry it's another mac one it's not an ipad one that's fine go for it so this one is called hidden bar and if you run a mac for any length of time what tends to happen is you build up applications near your clock so in the taskbar up at the top there if you look you've generally got a wi-fi thing you might have your password authentication one password might be up there you might have bluetooth there's all manner of things and as you install apps like for example tick tick or, or one of these other ones they'll stick an icon up there and all Hidden Bar does is it lets you choose whether to display them or not. So I don't always need to see the Wi-Fi thing because I'm in Edge Room and Workroom on my network at home. So I don't need to sw- swap. So it lets me store hidden ones off to one side uh, of a little arrow on the top right of my screen. I can still get at them if I tap the arrow, but it actually just tidies up 
uh, an awful lot of what's going up in my taskbar. So it's free, it's open source, it's a nice little bit of software. I'd recommend it hidden bar, link in the show notes. I have actually a piece of paid for software that does the same thing. That's Bartender, and I've bought a few iterations of Bartender over the years. And again, it does the same thing. It launches a startup, it hides the things you don't want to see, or you can stick things in there when you don't want to. But I just thought I was so impressed with Hidden Bar for an open source piece of software that works as well as it does with the current version of macOS, because Bartender can get a bit lost in versioning. When, when we went to Monterey, it just stopped working with, with what was there for Big Sur until four, version 4 came out. And it wasn't a big upgrade. I think it was five or six pounds or something like that. But I was just very impressed for Hidden Bar. So if you're if you're suffering from icon overload up near your clock, it's the thing to look for. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember Bartender from when I used a Mac. It's, it sounds so simple and you're like, why would you pay for it? But like you, I, I get annoyed sometimes. I think when there's too much up there. And so I like to run it quite clean, even though you've got the space for it. I do like to keep it quite clean. I've always been like that. So I think it's a good recommendation. I don't know whether I would run the GitHub one or whether I just buy the app because I just want it to work and be supported, I guess. That's probably me, but I live the iPad lifestyle where you've got no choice. So yeah, no, they look fantastic. So no, it's a good idea. It works well. I'm running it instead of Bartender at the moment and I have absolutely zero complaints with it. I think it's just a very clean, well-written bit of software that does exactly what it says in the tin. And often, if you think how much of the internet is reliant on open source software, Apache Web Server, for example, it's not necessarily a thing that gets no support just because it's open source. So interestingly, though, Hidden Bar, I didn't realize I thought you had to download it from Git, but you can actually go to the Mac App Store and download it and install it. I didn't realize that, so it's quite cool. Yeah, quite a lot of them have this kind of model where you can chuck the developers a bit of money with Mac App Store in some cases or give them a tip of the rest of it. But they'll often offer both. You can you know, get the Mac App Store version or the Git version. And it's not like you need to build from source for the Git source. You can download a zip and install software as you would a DMG with any other Mac app. So I think they're doing a really good job of supporting that. I'm quite impressed. And interestingly, Hidden Bar has been a featured app. So they've got a little, you know, app store profile around it, which is quite cool. Yeah. So that's my recommendation, Hidden Bar. And if you want to throw somebody a bit of money, Bartender is still a very good app too. And I would endorse either. But I've not used any of them for a long time. Fair enough. I think we can call that a show, Chris. I think, yeah, that was good. Thanks, Rod. That was really good. Brilliant. Well, until next week. But if you do want to get in contact... Do reach out to us. You can drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or mention us on Twitter at WFS underscore podcast. Talk to you next week. Cheers, Rod. Thank you. <laughs>